Welcome to Hope Renewed, the podcast of PIR Ministries. Thanks for connecting to Hope Renewed, the in-depth podcast about pastoral renewal and restoration. I'm Tom Jameson, and along with co-host Sean Nemechek, we explore the issues and challenges pastors face and help cultivate a renewed hope for healthy ministry lives. Well, Sean, today we are talking about conflict, and now that's uh, that's something you never faced in ministry, is it? Oh, no, no. I was in ministry for 18 years, <laughs> and I think there may have been one or two days where I didn't have conflict of some kind. The truth is conflict is all too real in ministry and can create a toxic environment, which, as today's guest says, divides people, destroys careers, devastates friendships, and distracts churches from their God-given mission. But it doesn't have to be that way. Today, we are so pleased to be talking with our very own Dr. Dan Borg, who is a Southwest Regional Director of PIR Ministries. Dan is quite familiar with the challenges pastors face. He's served in a variety of pastoral roles for churches in Minnesota and California. His particular focus and doctor of ministry study have been in conflict management. He completed a program in mediation and conflict management at California State University, offers conflict management workshops and resources, and is author of the book, When Christians Clash, an Action Plan to Manage Conflict. Dan, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be with you. It is so great to have you here. And before we jump into the nuts and bolts of conflict management, I'm curious, what drew you to study and write about conflict? When, uh, when I was in seminary, I believed that uh, once I was out and serving in a church, I would find uh, goodwill, um, peace to be the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, took a course in conflict in seminary. It was interesting. And I thought, that, that's good to know, you know, um, but I don't know if I'll really need all of that. And then I got into the real church world, and there was a lot of conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, then I uh, entered a doctor of ministry program, and uh, my thesis topic was, was natural. I wanted to study conflict. I wanted there to be peace. And I was an associate pastor of a church, and um, the pastor was, was wonderful, a, a wonderful pastor, a great mentor to me. But there was a conflict, and he eventually ended up leading and leaving, and that was just that was so painful. Um, we have to do better. Uh, since um, my uh, doctor of ministry days, I wrote a book on conflict, as you've mentioned. I've taught it uh, several times in churches, uh, college, uh, overseas. Uh, it's it's a passion, and it's not a passion because I like it. I don't. I hate conflict. Mm. I'm a peaceful guy. Um, but uh, it, it, it needs some work, and I'm willing to put some of my life into that work. Yeah, well, that's, that's a blessing to the church, for sure, but why, why do you think church conflict is so prevalent? I mean, is it inevitable, or can it be avoided? Well, conflict in all of life is inevitable. Uh, I just told you I try to be a peaceful guy, but listen, uh, you know, I'm married to a wonderful woman, I've got, I've got kids, they're both married, got five grandkids, um, lived in wonderful neighborhoods, uh, served different churches. Um, I was an athlete, I, I helped coach my son's sporting teams and, and virtually in every area of life I faced conflict. 
I mean, look, look at the, the news. There's conflict in everything. And think of your life. There, there's conflict. It is inevitable. It's going to happen. And it's going to happen in the church. Mm. And we shouldn't be surprised by that. Mm. Uh, the New Testament church was filled with conflict, one, one sort or, or another. Um, and, uh, and it happens in churches today. It, it's, it's, uh, it's hard. And I, I, I took this program on mediation. And uh, it wasn't a, a Christian-based program. It was in a secular campus. And the instructor was uh, three different courses. The main instructor was a professor, a lawyer, and a judge. And he would talk about conflict cases he had been part of. And he would sometimes um, refer to churches. Uh, he'd always apologize. He knew I was a, a pastor. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the group was small enough that he knew each of us well. But after class last session, I had a chance to talk with him. And I said, there's reasons why conflicts in churches get so bad. Because every church, every conflict in a church is values driven. Mm-hmm. Someone's value is, is, uh, is at stake. And it could be a scripture verse. It, it could be a type of music. It could be anything. And a second reason is loyalty. If Bob and Bill have a conflict and Bill has a, a friend named Pete, Pete enters into the conflict on Bill's side against Bob, and he does so with a passion because he's loyal. That happens in churches. Loyalty is a good thing, but not so good in conflict. And, and a third reason is turf. Um, people invest in church. They invest mm-hmm. in the building. They invest in the programs. And uh, they, they, they want to protect that investment. So, yeah, there's, there's church conflict. Uh, there will be. And especially now. We've had a tough year in 2020. I mean, if you think it through, uh, what changes have come about since February? It's been amazing. Uh, and that's caused a lot of stress on pastors, and a lot of polarization among people. It's been a year of conflict. So, Dan, I know it's your fundamental conviction that how conflicts are managed will lead either to a positive end or a destructive outcome. So what's a, a helpful perspective for a pastor and, and ministry leaders to have about conflicts in the church? Well, a couple things, Tom. Uh, one is that conflict can be resolved in, in ways that bring a positive outcome and that, that honor God. Uh, anytime there's change, there's going to be conflict, and there has to be change. Uh, conflict can be positive. Of course, it can be negative, but it can be positive, too. And, and a second um, really helpful perspective is that uh, everyone has choices when it comes to conflict. You know, the, the, the pastor... His hand isn't forced to do one thing or another. He has choices. And to make the right choice, to make the wise choice, uh, can really lead toward that positive outcome. Uh, I don't like conflicts, seriously, as I've said, uh, but I know it's going to happen. And, and when it happens, uh, it will be much helpful if the pastor understands that, um, that he has choices and that, that conflict can lead to a positive outcome. And I know a part of your work in your book and in the the videos that um, we've posted on the PIR website, delve into Matthew 18 and kind of the pattern um, there. What would you say scripture gives us as a pattern for a healthy perspective on conflict? Well, you mentioned Matthew 18 and Matthew 18 gives a uh, uh, multiple steps for resolving conflict. It tells us to go to the individual one-to-one. And if that doesn't work, then go to the individual two to one. And if that doesn't work, then bring it to the church. And if that doesn't work, 
treat the offender like a pagan. Uh, and, and that's wise, that those are the words of Jesus. But there's something we often overlook uh, in that chapter, and that is the word if. Mm. If your brother has sinned against you. And, and before you follow those steps, you have to ask that question, if. You know, and, uh, and the goal of those four steps is not to see how fast you can get to step four and treat your brother like a pagan. The goal is to bring about a reconciliation. And we can often misuse those steps. Um, Jesus wants us to work at reconciliation. And that little word, if, is a big word. Mm. You know, if your brother has sinned against you. And if you go to him with the purpose of reconciliation, and if he listens to you, you've won your brother back. That's just one section of scripture. Scripture is filled with uh, advice on handling conflict and examples on those who handled it well and poorly. I mean, from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is a book of conflict. Mm -hmm. uh, Cain killed Abel. You know, uh, first family didn't do so well. Not too well. <laughs> and there's going to be a major conflict at the end. We know that. And most books in between are filled with one conflict or another. The Bible is really a book of conflict. Dan, as I uh, reflect back on, you know, 18 years of ministry, and I, I, some of my biggest regrets are were times when I got conflict wrong, just messed it up. Why is it pastors struggle with managing conflict? Well, we all struggle with managing conflict. It's, it's not a skill set that most people have. But I think with pastors, there's a lack of training and a lack of understanding. And honestly, in churches, you deal with a variety of people and, and um, it, it, it's, it's hard. Now, if pastors resort to just natural tendencies, most people, in fact, most uh, uh, animals have a fight or flight response. I'm either going to attack or, or run. I'm gonna preserve myself in one way or another. And sometimes that's the best option, but it's not always the best option. Mm. And another reason, Sean, I, pastors are really vulnerable. Boy, we are vulnerable to so many things, and we are expected to fight fairly. Other people in the church are not. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to get it wrong. We're going to get it wrong a lot, but we just keep trying. Yeah, that's, that's so true. Uh, what happens when a church uh, or a pastor fails to, to address conflict or goes unmanaged, or, or maybe they just avoid conflict altogether? I look at it in a couple different ways. One, one is I look at the temperature of a conflict, and I've got uh, color-coded temperatures, okay? A blue conflict, uh, it's not, not very heated. They're just slights, you know, um, uh, maybe people avoid each other a little bit. An orange conflict, there's some simmering. You know, you start to sense that there's something wrong. Red conflict is, is out-and-out conflict. Those are the things we think of when we think of church conflict. Uh, and then there's purple. And, and purple conflict is when everything is frozen. And, and that's when people leave the church or they don't speak with one another. If you avoid a conflict uh, that is red and then becomes uh, orange, or excuse me, that is blue, then becomes orange and turns to red, uh, you're going to have a problem. It's got to be addressed. That's one way of looking at it. Another way of looking at it is to assess how broad this conflict is going to get. Sometimes they just burn out. You can, you can let, let them go. They burn out. I, I live in Southern California. Um, as the nation knows, we have wildfires. And um, if a wildfire is in an area such as a, an enclosed canyon with no structures and no people, uh, firefighters will just let it burn. It'll burn itself out. If, however, the fire is being driven by these winds we get, these Santa Ana winds, which are hot, dry winds, high-velocity winds, 
uh, and it's going through a city. It went through our city a few years ago. Firefighters do everything they can to stop it. So sometimes it's okay to avoid a conflict um, if it's maybe a blue or a, an orange conflict uh, and if it's going to burn itself out. But other times you've got to do everything you can to manage it well. I like your, your color coding. Um, you know, scripture tells us sometimes it's, it's good to, to overlook an offense, to, to be able to let it go, let, let it roll off our back. And when we can do that, we're being gracious toward others. Um, is, the, is there a certain role or a healthy role that a pastor can take in church conflict? Uh, yeah, uh, but I want to comment on the overlooking offense thing, if I might. Sure. It's to a person's glory to overlook an offense. I think scripture puts it that way, if I remember right. But it depends on the offense. And yes. it depends on the consequences of the offense. You don't want to overlook an offense if it um, allows sinful behavior on, on the mm. part of someone else. And you don't want to overlook an offense if you become a doormat. That's uh, or if you harbor resentment. So, yeah. Uh, but you asked about the role of a pastor. The pastor's role will vary quite a bit. In the best case, he is the leader in managing the conflict. And then his role becomes um, multifaceted. He's got to protect vulnerable people because there's usually a power discrepancy when there's a conflict. Um, he needs to lead the resolution process and, uh, and he needs to protect the church and obviously to to do what's right and and that's what all leaders do including the pastor however the pastor may find himself in another role and i tend to break down roles of conflict a little differently the first people in a conflict i call primaries they're the primary focal points sometimes the pastor is a primary hmm. uh, then the next group in i call secondaries they're the ones that come in on the side of a primary the third group is the affected bystanders. They don't have a say in the conflict, but they're affected by it. You know, there's an African proverb that says, when, when elephants fight, the grass suffers. And, and, you know, that's affected bystanders. And then there are spectators. I think, first of all, the pastor has to understand his role. Hopefully, the pastor is the leader managing the conflict. If the pastor, however, finds himself or herself being the primary, the secondary, the pastor needs to understand that, yes, I am a focal point of this. And uh, take that into consideration with uh, every action step that follows. So um, Edwin Friedman in his book, Failure of Nerve, talks about um, leaders maintaining a non-anxious presence um, and helping to diffuse the emotion in, in high emotion situations. Um, as a pastor, as leader, is that one of his, his key roles in conflict? Uh, or is that something altogether different? I would wholeheartedly agree with that. I, I think um, the demeanor of the pastor and, and the way the pastor handles emotion can either escalate or de-escalate the, the mm -hmm. conflict. I, I think that's an awesome consideration. And uh, emotions should be in check. Sometimes they won't be. Sometimes things will get pushed to a degree where it's hard to contain them. But if, if conflicts can be managed without excessive emotion, it's going to be managed more successfully. It just sounds like there needs to be wisdom and discernment at the, at the base uh, of pastor's work in, in conflict. Uh, wisdom to know what is an offense that needs to be addressed. Wisdom to know at what level. Uh, and then I know in your book, you get into wisdom of knowing which way to, to handle it uh, with, with the different styles. 
I, I want to take a little side trail here for a second, because one of the things I'm thinking about are pastors who feel like they're failures when there is conflict in the church, that somehow a pastor's role is to keep conflict from ever happening. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Well, from my perspective, uh, you know, I think sometimes the pastor is the one creating conflict because whenever we we lead change, there's an inevitable conflict that comes from that. People tend to resist change, and um, one of the the parts of the the kind of lifeline or timeline of change is that after people have agreed to it, that's usually when the conflict starts to pop up, when it becomes real in their lives. And it's only after working through that conflict that that change can really come about. And so that might be a positive example of how conflict can be used. But in that case, the, the pastor is creating healthy conflict for the sake of growth. And isn't there a sense that that's key to ministry, that, yeah, that growth requires change, change does bring conflict. And so as a, as a pastor, I can't be afraid uh, of stirring the pot because that's the very thing that can bring about the kind of transformational change that God's seeking to work uh, in someone's lives. It's a great point, Sean and Tom. I'd like to add, however, that uh, we're all gonna feel like failures sometimes. Mm. I've studied conflict. I wrote a book on conflict. I teach this subject. I have failed miserably at times. Um, I wish I had a few do-overs. It's hard. Mm. You just keep trying. You learn from mistakes uh, and you just keep trying. Um, but it hurts. And I know I feel that I should be able to manage conflicts well within any setting I find myself, and uh, and I do most of the time, but sometimes, uh, you know, you you just just can't bring resolution. Mm. It's sad, and yes, there's a feeling of failure, and then you do what you do with all feelings of failure: acknowledge it, uh, confess any shortcomings, uh, ask for help from the Lord, learn what you can, and you most of all press on. Yeah, I just want to highlight that a little bit more, Dan. Um, one of the, the things we're trying to do here is offer hope to discouraged pastors. And something you just said uh, really resonated with me in that we're, we're all going to fail. And I think it's important for pastors to hear that, that one of the steps to becoming successful at managing conflict is suffering the pain of failing and learning from that and growing through that. And that the fact that we've failed doesn't have to be the end. It can be the thing that gives us hope that we're moving forward and growing if we allow it to transform us. And there's a, that sense, too, where you need to be willing to let go because responses to conflict aren't just with you as the pastor. It's, it's how others are choosing. And Dan, you brought this up before. It's all about choice, how we choose to respond to the conflict. And you may be leading well through the conflict and other individuals may choose to react very poorly in that and, and make decisions to uh, create more, more negative conflict or to separate themselves and yeah. leave the church. Uh, there's a sense of there's only so much you can do in, yeah. in leading conflict well as a pastor. A absolutely. You know, the, the pastor has choices to make, but so does everyone else. Mm. And uh, 
And it only takes one party to cause a disharmony. It, it takes all parties to cause harmony. Mm. And that's really the challenge, isn't it? Yeah. To create that kind of space, that kind of um, unity, to, yeah. to use a biblical term, uh, that, that oneness of, of thought. So that, that kind of uh, answers this question of what a pastor should do when they realize they've been managing conflict poorly. But what should they do when they're overwhelmed by conflict and just want to give up? The easy answer is don't. <laughs> don't quit. Don't give up. Uh, but there's some reasons for that. Um, if you give up, uh, the enemy wins. Mm. And if you give up, what are you going to do? You know, if you leave ministry, where are you going to go? Guess what? There's conflict everywhere. I would recommend uh, turn to a friend, you know, step out of it. Find, find yourself a, a means to grow stronger, you know, reduce the stress. Many years ago, I was at a seminar and uh, the presenter talked about three types of activities and or people. There were red light activities and people, green light activities and green light people, and yellow light activities and yellow light people. The red lights were those that drained you. Mm -hmm. The green lights were those that filled you. The yellow lights were neutral. Conflict is a red light thing almost always. What we tend to do when we're overwhelmed by the red light stuff in life is try hard to eliminate, eliminate the red light stuff in life. And you can't always do that. Hmm. Uh, hopefully some perhaps but one of the ways of coping with it is to maximize the green light stuff in life, to find people or activities that fill you instead of drain you, mm -hmm. that make you strong for the fight, and then get back into it and uh, press on. Don't give up. Uh, and if everyone quit when they were overwhelmed, no one would be, would be a pastor longer than six months. <laughs> I don't know how long parenting would last either. Come to think of it, you know, because uh, that can be or overwhelming too. Yeah. yeah. Well, you said marriage. I'll let that stand with you. <laughs> so. Sean said that. You're yeah. on. Oh, Sean said that. Okay. Yeah. All right. It it seems as though co conflict has, um, to this comment you made about the 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 red light green light, that that conflict has as a part of its nature, uh, that drawing of us into itself, that it can become consuming very easily. It becomes a thing you just, you can't stop thinking about. You're thinking about it at dinner. You can't go to sleep at night. You can't have a Sabbath because you're just consumed by, by that, that conflict. And uh, you have to be really intentional and work really hard to separate yourself out of that. But that's, I'm hearing you say, that's a very necessary thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there are times you can't. I, I know there have been times when I preached on one hour sleep, you know, conflict in the church, a lot of stress uh, that morning, uh, addressing some things perhaps, or even just seeing some people. Uh, and the unresolved nature of what was going on kept me going. And I remember, uh, you know, five o'clock, haven't fallen asleep yet. And all of a sudden the alarm goes off at six and uh, preaching on one hour sleep. Sometimes you can't get away, but, it, but when you can, you know, find a way to get refilled. So Dan, there are times where you, you can step away, take a, maybe a day for prayer yes. or a week of vacation. Um, but there are, there are some types of conflict that just become all-consuming. Yes. Uh, is, is it ever 
to the pastor's benefit or the church's benefit to say, you know, this conflict isn't going to be resolved and it's time to separate? Uh, sadly, sometimes, sometimes it is. I wish it wasn't, but, but sometimes, sometimes pastors leave and, and they should, and sometimes church members leave. I, I'm always hopeful, and maybe I've held on too long sometimes that things mm -hmm. can be resolved. Uh, but Sean, you're right. You know, sometimes people part ways. A biblical example of that is uh, Paul and Barnabas. They, they disagreed over whether or not John Mark should accompany them on a missionary journey. It's a sharp disagreement. They went their separate ways. Sometimes it will happen. It hurts when it happens. Isn't it in that case, uh, and in every case, that we, we really need to keep the bigger picture in mind? So to be consumed by, by a conflict, I, I think, can drag us down the hole of, if I don't resolve this conflict, the, the world's going to end. Or, yeah. or, you know, and, and there are the realities, uh, as you say, it, it can destroy ministries. It, it can devastate relationships. Mm -hmm. it, it can create all kinds of negative uh, havoc. But there, there's also balancing that uh, sense of, what would be a desired outcome in this conflict? And what's the outcome if we don't get that desired outcome? What's the other desired outcome if we can't reach that yeah. preferable outcome, if I can use different words? Yeah, I, uh, when I think of conflict, I, I always, I think of a target and I ask myself, what, what's my bullseye mm -hmm. in this? Uh, and a target has consecutive circles and, and you want to aim at the center one, uh, sometimes you can't get the bullseye. Okay, so, so what's the next ring? But you're right, Tom, the bigger picture is it. Conflicts will come and go. Um, the kingdom of God is here to stay. What best serves the Lord in his kingdom? Yeah, I, I think of our, our current situation um, with uh, the political climate that we're living in and uh, the conflict that that's creating, even within the church, even within families, uh, because of the rhetoric that, that's out there and just the, I don't know, the, the intensity at which everyone's yeah. emotions seem to be burning right now. Uh, and, and hearing in that uh, a call to, you know, uh, a trait way of saying it is, you know, remember Jesus is still on the throne. Yeah. Uh, and no matter how the elections turn out, Jesus is still Lord, and, and, and there is, I guess, that, that balance uh, to bring to any conflicting situation that, yes, these are, are real issues, but in the greater scheme of things, we have to keep that tension there. I hope that through all of this, through the other end, after November, the church can lead the way and, and say, you know, we are united. You know, yes, we have people who voted in different ways. But, but the kingdom is above all of that. Mm -hmm. Sean, you were going to say something. Yeah, Dan, I'm just wondering if we can uh, maybe offer a point of clarification. Sometimes conflict escal escalates to the point where things become abusive. And we're mm -hmm. not really having that conversation right now. I think that would be a different one. Can, can you help us delineate a little bit between conflict that's manageable, and then abuse and in, in what we should be thinking about there. Okay, that's uh, it's another category. I call it, uh, instead of managing conflict, I call it dealing with difficult people, okay? And uh, 
I hesitate to use the word abuse because it's used in, in such a broad way from, from things that are, you know, somewhat offensive to things that are, are, are um, uh, dangerous. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, I call it dealing with difficult people. And if I can push it in that direction, I'd like to. Um, first thing there is, is to be cautious about judging someone. Mm-hmm. I've been wrong. And I, I've judged some people as difficult. And no, no, maybe that was me who was being difficult. Okay. And, and some people will judge everyone as difficult who doesn't agree with them. You know, you got to be cautious about that. But, but just here's some guidelines in dealing with, uh, you know, abusive or difficult people. Um, make sure you communicate clearly because what you say, you know, might be used against you. And what you say might be spun and used against you. And be careful. I mean, this, this sounds very protective, but be careful not to put yourself in a vulnerable position. I, I live in, you know, California. We have beaches. Occasionally, there's a, a shark spotted off the beach. And, and imagine that you were uh, responsible to put up a sign um, notifying people that there were sometimes sharks in the area. Now, you could put up a sign that said, don't ever go in the water, but that's would prohibit people from enjoying the beach. You might want to put up a warning that would say, don't swim alone, and don't swim with an open wound, and don't swim beyond the marker buoys, and don't swim in the dark, and don't provoke a shark, and leave the water when a shark is spotted, and stay away from a feeding frenzy. I mean, all of that can be true of these slash abusive, difficult people. And, and another one, a man named Kenneth Hauk in his book, Antagonists in the Church, he says, don't be overly accessible. Mm. He says, avoid meeting with the antagonist at all, if possible. And then meet in a place of your choosing. And then he says this, he says, don't, don't meet in your home, you're expected to be a host. And, and don't meet in their home, it's their turf, it gives them confidence. And don't meet over a meal, it's intimate. Um, you know, maybe meet over an office or some, some more of a, a setting such as that. And he says, meet at a time of your choosing and, and don't allow an open-ended discussion. There haven't been many times, but there have been a few times when I knew I was going to have a, a difficult meeting with someone that I really would rather not have met with. And I would schedule it um, knowing I had a, a hard break in a half an hour. You know, I had another meeting at two, I might schedule it at 1.30. Those are some of the things you can do in, in dealing with people. Uh, be careful. There are some people out there that uh, are not good to deal with. Mm. I wish it wasn't so, but there are some. I, I was just uh, thinking of a pastor, a friend of mine who was in a church that there was just clear, abusive, dangerous, um, destructive behavior happening. And in his case, um, the only way to deal with the conflict there was to create separation Mm-hmm. Um, for a time, he had to leave and deal with the the tr- real trauma that he was experiencing from the way he was treated before he could go back and, and talk with uh, the people about the conflict. Um, so I, I just want pastors to be careful that they're they're discerning is is this this conflict something that we can work through, or is this something that we really need to take space for the sake of our our personal health, physical health, for the health of our families. Um, and, and recognize, you know, what level of pain or, or damage is, is being caused by this conflict. I wholeheartedly agree. Sometimes you need to step away. That, that's the kind of uh, don't put yourself in a vulnerable position. And it might mean, you know, withdraw from the yeah, situation. Yeah. 
ideally, this is the way it should work. And I don't think it works this way very often, but um, pastors, if they're not the primary focus of the conflict, should be someone who helps manage it well, mm-hmm. or church leaders. And one of the roles of someone managing the conflict is, uh, is to provide uh, protection for the vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And if, if church leadership uh, teams would provide that level of protection, uh, things would not be anywhere near as destructive as they are. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the roles that, that leadership has. And in the case you mentioned, Sean, I don't know what was going on in the church, but I would imagine that uh, leadership had kind of abdicated that role and just allowed things to happen that they shouldn't have allowed to happen. And I know uh, oftentimes pastors can take on the, the sense of uh, they have to be the end all to, to mm-hmm. deal with this conflict that, you know, it all depends on me uh, and handling it that well, and that's not healthy. So how, how do you know when to get outside help to kind of rally the troops, to bring in the allies, to, to get the, the uh, more professionally trained involved? Well, before the professionally trained, I believe that uh, if you have an advocate that is respected within the church, that helps a lot. Mm-hmm. But there are times you need to bring in someone in. I hear just a, a few things you might want to think about. Uh, if communication has broken down, um, people aren't talking to each other, uh, or it's, it's getting cloudy, uh, that, that's a sign. If goodwill has been lost, mm. I mean, if there's goodwill, I think we can resolve almost everything. But if goodwill has been lost, uh, if, um, if, if parties feel powerless or threatened, outside help might be uh, needed. If, if those in charge are unsure of what to do, of course, get, get outside help and, and get that advice. Uh, if there's fatigue, and I think the case Sean cited, I'm sure that individual must have felt a lot of fatigue. Uh, if your previous efforts have failed, I mean, if, if a pastor or a church board has, has tried over and over again to resolve something that's failed, outside help. Uh, if things are escalating, if, uh, if other people are choosing sides and, and this is spreading, if, if people are leaving the church, you know, it, it's time to get help. And there's no automatic checklist. Th- those are just kind of some of the factors. But if that's happening, get some outside help. Mm. And I think we get help too late most of the time. And where you turn for the outside help is vital. Mm. I'm very involved in our denomination, uh, but I do know that uh, denominational leaders, it, it's, it's sometimes hard for them because they have an interest in both the church and the pastor. They're, they're uh, in one sense, affected by that outcome. Um, outsiders who don't have a stake in the fight are generally the safest ones to turn to, uh, but they have to have a skill set too that helps them work through the, the, the conflict. Well, I'd like to think that we at PIR Ministries are here to help and to provide hope um, as appropriate and uh, as, as the Lord would equip us to be able to do that. Dan, you, you've put all this together in, in your book. Um, and uh, again, the name of the book, When Christians Clash, an action plan to manage conflict. What's your hope for the book? My hope is really simple. I just want to help pastors and church leaders manage conflict in effective ways according to biblical principles um, that, that honor God and, and bring resolution to, to conflict. Um, I'm just deeply saddened by conflict 
in the churches. When, uh, when churches are in conflict and it's not being resolved well, we are sending a signal to the world that we don't have the answer either. And I know we do have the answer. The scripture tells us over and over again to strive for unity, to strive for peace. Uh, I want us to strive for unity and peace. And that was the purpose behind the book. So Dan, uh, two questions. One, where can somebody get a copy of this book if they're interested? And how can they um, uh, get you to, to come and do that workshop for them or their church? Well, the answer to both those questions is the same. <laughs> you can just uh, uh, email me at dborg, B-O-R-G, dborg at pirministries.org. Or just reach out to someone at PIR and they will uh, get a hold of me. And, and that's the best way of, to do both the book and any workshop. And I'll confess, Dan, I did a little creeping online. I found out your book is published by Credo House Publishers. And there is yes. a web uh, link that we'll put in our program notes. And we know that based on your book, PIR has developed two video sessions on conflict management in which you dig deeper into the perspectives and tools which can really help pastors and ministry leaders manage conflict uh, well. So we invite our listeners to check out these videos, these Real Talk series videos, which can be found on our webpage at pirministries.org, resources tab, video archives. And we'll make sure to put a link to, to the videos and to your book in our program notes. Uh, and as mentioned, PIR also offers your conflict management workshops for churches and denominations, as well as individual support through our clergy coaching. Dr. Dan Bork, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Dan. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. And as always, we invite you, our listeners, to like, comment, and share this podcast. It's a great way to help us and bring hope to others. And thanks for joining us today. It's our prayer that being equipped for the conflict that ministry can bring, you will find hope for what God can work in and through you. PIR Ministries partners with God and the church in the work of pastoral renewal and restoration to cultivate new hope for healthy ministry lives. You can learn more about us at our webpage, pirministries.org, or email us at info at pirministries.org. Thanks for joining us for Hope Renewed, and remember, the hope Christ offers will never put us to shame. Thank you.